So a lot of times when we're investigating or we're asked to assist in investigating abuse, neglect, or exploitation case, the connection to Medicaid and Medicaid funding comes through the facility where that victim is living. Welcome to the podcast, Pathways to Safety, Bridges from Adult Protective Services to Community-Based Service for Adults Experiencing Abuse, Neglect, and Exploitation. We come to you with the goal of introducing community partners in Montana who work together to assist victims and survivors of adult experiencing abuse, neglect, and exploitation. My name is Marianne Liu. I am your host today to meeting one of these community partners in Montana. Before we start the episode, a quick disclaimer. This podcast is supported by the Administration for Community Living, the United States Department of Health and Human Services through a 2021 Elder Justice Innovation Grant, with Montana Adult Protective Services being our primary community partner. Grantees carrying out projects under government sponsorship are encouraged to express freely their findings and conclusions. Nonetheless, our findings, conclusions, point of views, or opinions do not necessarily represent the official policy of the federal government. Now, let's join our guest in the conversation. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our newest episode of the podcast. Today, we have Joseph or Joe Nusendorfer joining us from Medicaid Fraud Control Unit. Welcome, Joe. So, well, could you start by telling us who you are, including your professional position and your role with your agency? Yeah, thanks for having me. So, as you mentioned, my name is Joe Nussendorfer, and I'm an agent with the Medicaid Fraud Control Unit in Montana. Every state has a Medicaid Fraud Control Unit, and Montana one is located under the Department of Justice as far as administration goes. And within the Department of Justice, we are co-located under the Division of Criminal Investigation. And so as an agent, my role is to investigate suspected cases of Medicaid fraud in which providers have misused or received overpayment for Medicaid services. Mm -hmm. Well, with that, could you go a little bit further in telling us what does the Medicaid Fraud Control Unit do? Yeah, absolutely. So the Medicaid Fraud Control Unit, like I said, there's a unit in every state. The reason that the units exist is to try and curb and prosecute any evidence of Medicaid fraud. And typically, at least in Montana, our fraud investigations are centered on the providers of Medicaid services. So if there's an allegation that a Medicaid provider is somehow overbilling or misusing the Medicaid funds, we would take that after receiving a referral and conducting an investigation. Our unit works on a referral basis. We get referrals from a lot of different sources. Sometimes it's Medicaid recipients, sometimes it's other providers, sometimes it's people within state government who also have a responsibility for overseeing the disbursement of Medicaid funds. And sometimes it's just from citizens who come across the information through their own resources. And I think you touched upon this a little bit. So how is the Medicaid Fraud Control Unit different from like law enforcement in general that most people are familiar with? Sure. So we are a law enforcement agency. I think I kind of forgot to mention that in my description of our unit. So we do conduct criminal investigations. The point of our investigations is to determine whether a crime has been committed related to Medicaid funding. We do have the ability to also seek a civil remedy 
in some cases when that's appropriate. Now, how we differ from a regular law enforcement is, even though we're a law enforcement agency and our agents are sworn law enforcement officers, we're not particularly first responders in the way you might think of a municipal law enforcement. We don't respond to 911 calls for service. Most of the time, the cases that we investigate have already run their course or have been completed. We're not going like a patrol officer to a call that's still ongoing or still in the act. Pretty much everything that we investigate has already taken place to some degree or another, which is why we're kind of a reactionary law enforcement group versus a proactive law enforcement group. And we work strictly on the basis of referrals to our unit. That is very interesting. And just in our previous conversation, I think, you know, I got very interested and I don't know if you would be willing to share with our audience regarding how and why did you choose to join the Medicaid fraud control unit? Yeah, I had a career in law enforcement prior to this. I had a 30-year law enforcement career with a municipal agency in the state of Washington. And at the end of that career, I felt like I still had a little bit of work life left in me. So I began looking around and particularly looking in areas of Montana that I could continue my law enforcement career. At that point in time, the Medicaid Fraud Control Unit was a mystery to me. I had no idea what Medicaid Fraud Control Unit did or even that there were 50 in existence in the United States. But one of the things that I discovered as I started to look into it more was that it was very appealing to me on a couple of different levels. One, the investigative aspect was appealing to me. A good portion of my 30-year career was spent in investigations and conducting investigations and taking cases with a prosecutor through trial. That was appealing to me. It was also appealing to me in that in Medicaid fraud cases, you have a true victim, and that's the citizens of Montana, the citizens of the United States. It's their tax money that is being misused and stolen. That is fascinating. So, well, in thinking about kind of the scope of this particular project, under what circumstances does your agency serve older independent adults who experience abuse, neglect, and exploitation? Yeah, those are three areas that we can occasionally be involved with other entities in investigating that. And typically it has to do with facilities that receive Medicaid funding. And so a lot of times when we're investigating or we're asked to assist in investigating abuse, neglect, or exploitation case, the connection to Medicaid and Medicaid funding comes through the facility where that victim is living. It could be a nursing home, it could be assisted living facility, it could be a group home, something on those lines. We have narrowed our focus along those types of investigations that the exploitation, abuse, and neglect has to be committed by the Medicaid provider. So it would be a facility that was neglecting a patient while receiving Medicaid funds to take care of that patient. Or it would be someone from the facility that was exploiting that recipient that would precipitate our involvement. We've narrowed it. Or it could be a Medicaid recipient in their home that's getting exploited by a family member. Those would be the types of times and areas where we would get involved in specific cases of abuse, neglect, and exploitation. And could you speak a little bit more about how the Medicaid Fraud Control Unit help these, you know, adults either directly or indirectly? Sure. As I mentioned, we're a law enforcement agency, and so our job is to take cases criminally through prosecution. And the way we would help 
primarily for people in these situations is to uh, hold the provider or the perpetrator of the crimes accountable to get those persons prosecuted if it's appropriate and then to get restitution not only for the program but for the recipient if the recipient suffers a loss. In addition to that, I mean, that's our primary focus, but we're also going to ensure that the exploitation and the abuse and the neglect stops and that the recipient is placed in a position where they're no longer going to be victimized in that manner. And a lot of times we'll do that through working with other entities, including Adult Protective Services or state licensure or certification. Well, that leads to my kind of the next two questions. And the first one being, how do you work with adult protective services like referrals? How does that work? Does it come, you know, both directions from you to APS and then, you know, APS to you? It definitely goes both ways. We get a lot of our cases referred to us by APS. Typically, they will come across a situation that they feel may have an element of Medicaid fraud or abuse neglect associated with the Medicaid recipient. And then the reverse is true. You know, we might find a situation that we come across that it doesn't quite rise to the level of a criminal act, but nonetheless requires some sort of remediation for the recipient. And in those cases, those are better handled by APS. We do, you know, in some of the referrals that we get from APS, a lot of times they've taken the first look at the case and situation, and they've reached a point where they feel like it's gone beyond what they're supposed to handle or they're capable of handling or that it's of a criminal nature and so they'll refer to us. Well what about in addition to APS you mentioned a couple other agencies so who do you also collaborate with outside of adult protective services and how do you collaborate with these different agencies? Yeah one of our agents serves on the elder abuse panel it's a statewide panel so we have regular communication with that advocacy group. We also work with entities within the state government I mentioned certification, so this is the entity that would go out and they would certify a facility. They would conduct on-site surveys of the facility. They would note whether there were deficiencies with regard to that facility in terms of care of the individuals, which could constitute neglect or abuse. We will get referrals from that entity. And then once we get that referral, we may draw in APS if they have not already been brought in by certification. But there's a lot of cross-communication between those different groups that have uh, eyes on or people conducting surveys or checks of different facilities that receive Medicaid funding. Another one is licensure, the places that provide long-term care for vulnerable adults that may be subject to neglect or abuse. They are subject to the licensing standards in the state of Montana, and the licensure will also go out and conduct surveys and reviews of different properties. And if they find things that are amiss that they believe falls within the realm of abuse, neglect, or exploitation, they'll make those referrals to us as well. Those are two of the primary ones that come to mind. I'm sure there's other entities too that fill in the gaps where one agency may not have the proper jurisdiction or purview for a situation involving a vulnerable adult. Mm-hmm. Well, so another kind of interesting question that, you know, with everything that you talked about. So if APS or another agency is working with a member of the community and they suspect Medicaid fraud may have taken place, what should they do? Should they reach out directly to Medicaid fraud control unit or gather information first? Or is there someone that, you know, they can talk with maybe locally to help them determine what they should be doing? 
Yes, there's a couple of different resources they can use. They can call our agency and have us, you know, walk through the facts with them and get a kind of a first read on what the situation involves. They can contact their local law enforcement. I would say that if the situation is imminent or there's immediate danger, that they should contact local law enforcement because their ability to respond quickly to that event is going to be greater than ours. We have a limited staffing here and we're primarily located in Helena. So there's some geographic barriers for us getting to an urgent situation quickly. And so for those situations, if there's a concern regarding those lines, I would recommend that people contact their local law enforcement agency. They can do the initial vetting on the situation to determine whether there's a criminal element to what's going on there. And they can always bring us in at a later time to either assist them with the investigation or to take over the investigation if they feel that that is warranted, if the local agency would like to defer the investigation to us. Just from a basic standpoint, we do have a director here that would field calls to get preliminary information and kind of determine the best course of action for that situation. It's always probably better to get us on board or get law enforcement on board, whether it's us or whether it's a local agency earlier in the process rather than later in the process, because there can be times where people can maybe go a little too far in gathering information and that can be detrimental to a criminal case down the line. And there may also be times where the initial vetting indicates that there's not enough information for us to get involved and it might require maybe a little bit more work on the reporting parties first before we're able to make a decision on whether there's a crime that's occurred or not. Well, what about challenges? What are some of the challenges that the Medicaid Fraud Control Unit experience in serving those who experience abuse, neglect, and exploitation? Who are these, you know, adults experiencing these challenges? Why is it difficult? And any thoughts about, you know, interagency collaboration to help if resources are available? So the primary hurdle or obstacle that we encounter in conducting a criminal investigation sometimes is the condition of the victims themselves. A lot of these individuals are vulnerable for a reason. They're either having cognitive decline or physical decline, and their ability to assist in the investigation can be very limited and can make our firsthand knowledge of the situation very limited and very difficult. The other portion of our cases that can be difficult with this population is that the evidence can disappear very quickly. Evidence of abuse may not last very long as far as being able to document it. And if we don't get on board early on with the investigation, that evidence could be lost. Some of these individuals, again, they're elderly. They may not live long enough to see through the entire criminal investigation or prosecution process. That's always a concern that your investigation is going to outlive your victim. It's challenging because there's a high need for services for these individuals and there are limited providers and there's limited resources, particularly within the state of Montana. And so I think the challenge there is getting quality care for these individuals with those limited resources and not allowing the situation to deteriorate into neglect or abuse in the first place. Another challenge perhaps is that communication piece across the different entities that we've talked about and also entities that we haven't talked about who have some stake in the welfare of these individuals. As much as we try to communicate, communication doesn't always happen amongst government entities 
and particularly across a state as large as Montana and as sparsely populated as Montana. So those can all be challenges to us carrying out our mission and helping serve this population. Well, what about, you know, if our listener, any of them might have suspect Medicaid fraud happening to their loved ones, is there any way that I might be able to get in touch with the Medicaid fraud control unit? Yes, we do have a Medicaid fraud hotline, in which is a recorded line, and they can leave information there regarding suspected Medicaid fraud or abuse neglect. I would just say that if it's an ongoing and urgent situation, they should use their local resources. But the hotline number is 1-800-376-1115. Thank you, Joe. And I just want to confirm that this is for uh, the citizens in Montana. Yes, anybody can call this line. They can leave information. They can leave a request for contact, and then we could have you know someone call them back once we get the message. The line is not monitored 24/7, though. It is you know monitored during the business hours of the business week, and so it may not get an immediate response to any messages. But we do review all the referrals or comments that are made there, and then respond accordingly to those. I think, Joe, what you've pointed out is kind of the importance of collaboration between all these different agencies in order to help, you know, most importantly, the victim is the one that we're trying to make sure that they get all the quality care that you mentioned. So thank you so much for joining us today. And we hope our listeners get a little bit more knowledge about, you know, Medicaid fraud control, because before talking with Joe, I obviously did not know about them. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. We hope you found it useful. This podcast was produced by Studio K Productions. Our podcast logo was designed by Meng Yuwen. We welcome your feedback. Please visit elderjustice.acl.gov to leave a comment at the bottom of the webpage's Contact Us section.